The Super Speedway Podcast is a Dream Bigger Media production. For news, photos, show notes, and information about advertising on the podcast, visit www.thesuperspeedway.com. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Super Speedway. Did Ricky Stenhouse Jr. reach out to you this week? If so, did you communicate? And if so, was it worthwhile or a waste of time? He did not reach out. I am disappointed that he did not. Why? You wipe out half the field. I'm pretty sure there would be a pretty busy Monday for him, but it, there wasn't. So apparently he just doesn't care. So does that change how you race him? I can't, I can't worry about people that far back in the field. And with that, welcome to episode 69 of the Super Speedway podcast, recorded Monday, July 16th, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Young, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Cush. James, how's it going? Good, man. I, uh, I'm i coming from my normal <laughs> podcasting spot, but you are on the move, which is, you're, you're all over the country, which has been uh, been fun to watch. Yeah, sure. I, I'm sitting in a hotel room in Newport, Kentucky. Um, I can, if, if my hotel room was on the opposite side of the hotel, I could look out across the Ohio River at Cincinnati. I uh, spent a good chunk of my day in Cincinnati today trying to find something to do around here. If I'm talking a little quieter than normal, it's because I'm in a hotel room and I feel like I don't want to disrupt people, so... But yeah, a, ho- a hotel room in Kentucky sounds as exciting <laughs> as it could possibly be. Plus, the fact that you're talking on a podcast probably means that you're the loudest person in that hotel. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's been pretty entertaining. I spent uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Kentucky Speedway um, for well, you just heard pretty much the most exciting part of the weekend: the uh, the Kyle Busch Ricky Stenhouse Jr. feud, which we'll get to in, in a little bit here in the podcast. Um, but I guess to start out first, let's talk about the Quaker State 400 at Kentucky Speedway. Um, also, I, I put in my story that I put up on the, on the website, uh, thesuperspeedway.com. It, they could have renamed it the Martin Truex Jr. 400 at Kentucky Speedway because it was all Martin Truex Jr. And the only reason it wasn't all Martin Truex Jr. was because he short-pitted and Kurt Busch didn't and allowed Kurt Busch to lead a bunch of laps that he wouldn't let otherwise. Um, yeah, I mean... Shoot, is there anything else to say other than Truex just killed it this weekend? Two years in a row, he's crushed. Uh, he's crushed Kentucky, um, and he and he got the he got the big bat out for the mile and a half tracks. The last this is the last one before the playoffs, I believe. So he's uh, he's I guess I don't know. He's still as dominant as he was last year. I mean, he just puts on. Has anybody put on more butt whoopings, like solid start to finish butt whoopings, than Martin Truex Jr. You, I don't you know, go man. back to this you go back one. to the the 600 a couple of years ago, and he's just he's he's put these monster races up, and they're they're just woof, you know. Yeah, this was one of those days that was like there's not even. I mean, there was no way that anybody but Truex was going to win this race. I mean, yeah, there was there was no thought during it. I mean, there was one point well where Kyle Larson was coming through the field and trying to give him a run, but I mean he. he I mean, Larson passed Truex at one point, so that's the closest that anybody came to beating Truex. And then had, Larson had trouble um, with his with his uh, um, it's in the notes track bar. <laughs> there you go. And and started falling back because of it. Got real tight. Um, so, but I, I mean that's it. He's the only one that could touch him, and everybody else. And, and I mean even that, you know, he passed him at one point, but Truex's car was just so good on the long run that. It was it just was him. Like I said, even when 
even when Bush stayed out, I mean, everybody knew they had to cycle through the pit stops in that first stage. So there was no, I mean, they were t calling the race on TV like Truex was the leader, even though he was in like 11th at the time because it was going to cycle back around and everybody knew that it was going to. So, yeah, I mean, it just, there's, I don't, I, I mean, it's been, there, there hasn't been anybody else that's really like just whooped on them like Truex has. And now you mentioned yeah. last mile and a half before the playoffs, but keep in mind, this is Truex's only mile and a half win this year. He right. was not killing it on the mile and a half this year like he did last year. Um, right, but he, I, I feel like he's <laughs> he getting it, it right maybe way. getting it right at the right time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he he's definitely peaking at the right point. Um, I want to play some audio here real quick. Uh, Truex was asked. Um, well, they asked him about the win and everything, and, and he talked a little bit about. I won't go too in depth because you're going to hear it, but just he he seemed really humble about this win. It was really interesting. It was the first. First race that I've been to where Truex has won. I've seen Truex finish second a couple times and seen the, you know, the passion that he has that he wants to win. But it was interesting to see him in this role where you see some of these other guys that go in and they just expect to win. And Truex didn't feel like that. And I'm sure a lot of that had, has to do with his career and everything. Um, but here's what Truex had to say after the, after the race. That's a tough one to answer. I would say that I always felt like I could get the job done. And I had enough. That is not the right audio clip. <laughs> <laughs> that is me doing a bad job of editing. I knew I was like, where did that audio clip go? Okay, I'm stopping it. I think. Um, I was like, where did that audio clip go? And I'm like, yeah, forget it. I won't play that clip. <laughs> and I apparently saved over the other one. So I will tell you what Truex was going to say. Um, basically, Truex was he, he compared himself. He, he said when he was growing up, he'd watch um, guys like Rusty Wallace and Dale Earnhardt and Terry Labonte battle, and he never pictured himself as being like one of those people. And it's really cool to be in that category, you know, of the top, one of the top drivers in the sport. And he was really humble about it. Basically said multiple times during the press conference that he, he tries to celebrate every win. Like it's his last one or it's his first because he doesn't know when they're going to end. And so that's, it's really interesting to hear that, that aspect from him. He's not, I mean, he's won 19 times, so he's not, I mean, he's not at the top of the list of winners, but 19 wins, especially when all but what, like three of them came in the past two years, well, three years. It's I'm so glad that you brought this up organically, because this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. We, we were chatting before the podcast and uh, there's a career that Martin Truex is mirroring right now that is in the Hall of Fame. OK, if you look at the first, I'm going to tell you driver A and driver B. OK. So driver A in his first nine seasons had four wins. The next four seasons for driver A, he got 18 wins and a championship. Driver B has two wins in his first nine seasons. He has 17 wins in his next four seasons and a championship. So driver A or driver B, Martin Truex Jr. Can you guess driver A? As confusing as that probably sounded. Rusty Wallace? No. Okay. It was Dale Jarrett. Nice. That's a good one. That actually is a really interesting comparison. Yeah. I like so, that. Yeah. Martin Truex Jr. is currently in his fourth season right now. And uh, so he's got the 17th win. He's got the championship. Now, the rest of Dale Jarrett's career, he ended up with 10 wins. Um, so Martin Truex Jr., I think he's got a little bit of, a little bit of ways to go. I know he's kind of one, considered one of the older guard now. Um, but I find it so interesting that uh, Truex's career is kind of kind of uh, mirroring what DJ had 
Um, and DJ, of course, a Hall of Famer. So yeah, pretty I, cool stuff. To I see think Truex somebody is, late in their career surge like he has. I think Truex is heading towards a Hall of Fame spot. But I, you and I have discussed, and I feel like uh, that a championship gets you in the Hall of Fame automatically. Yeah, he's um, got the automatic. Yep, yeah, he's got the automatic bid. Some he's people in. disagree with that, but that's that's my assessment. If you win a championship in the Cup Series, that gets yeah. you in. Yep, there's there's so few champions in the series when you really think about right, it. Especially and when Jimmy Johnson wins seven of them. And well, what, yeah, Jimmy years. Johnson's got a cluster of them. <laughs> Jeff Gordon and you know and that whole crew. Uh, you know, Dale Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty. I mean, that's you know that's about almost thirty championships right, right there. Twenty five championships or whatever it is. Right. Um, between those guys themselves. Um, so, so if you get a championship, you are, in my opinion, you're in. That's that's it. Like Alan Kowicki, he's in. Champion. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we, we've talked a little bit about Truex dominating here. This season, we've talked numerous times on the podcast, is completely being dominated by three guys. Um, we've had a couple wins here and there in between, but it's it's basically been Truex and then uh, Kyle Busch and and uh, Kevin Harvick, which Harvick and Busch both were kind of non-factors. Harvick, I mean, he was there, but yeah, top just, five. Yeah, yeah but fine. just not competitive. Yeah. Not he wasn't racing for the win. I mean, nobody was yeah. really. But right. I mean, if you look at the laps led, I don't have them in front of me, but the Truex led like a hundred and sixty some laps or hundred and forty some laps. I think it was. I think it was hundred forty. Yeah, one seventy four for Truex. Okay. The next closest was you mentioned Kurt Busch. Uh, had forty five. Right. And those, those yeah, Truex, Bush was Truex over two periods during the race, basically. Um, the, right. the big chunk was like 30-some laps that he led in the first stage when he stayed out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so those are the top three. And, um, you know, both Truex and Cole Pern were asked about that uh, in the press conference after the race. I don't have – I didn't pull Truex's audio, but I should have. Um, he basically said, is it good for the sport? I don't care, <laughs> you know, his job's to win races and that's it. Um, yep. Here's what, uh, here, here's what Cole Pern had to say about it. Hopefully this is the right audio this time. Well, I don't see it as a problem. I mean, you know, you look at the NBA and how successful it is and it's pretty much all the best players stacked on the same team. So, um, you know, I think the world of sports like star power and, you know, uh, it just shows you as the, as the rules have gotten closer together and the competition's gotten tighter, you know, the top, top drivers and, top teams elevate to the top the the more even the playing field so um that's just it you know everybody screams they want parity and and we've got closer parity and and in in that fact you have more uh, disparity i guess so pern basically saying that because the cars are as even as they are these guys have been able to stand out the way that they have and i can't say he's wrong i mean no and and would you rather have what we had last year where it was pretty much true x and Maybe Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch, or would you rather have a three-headed monster like we have right now, where it's it, you have three guys, either one of them's the best driver in the series right now, the best teams in the series. Uh, I rather have I rather have it like this. We can't. Forty guys aren't going to dominate the season. You're going to have standouts, and if you're going to have three guys stand out and be this dang close, I mean, have at it. Let's let's see what these guys got. Right. Um, before we go on anymore, I do want to mention too, I forgot to mention at the beginning, I'm on hotel Wi-Fi. So if you hear any glitches here and there or whatever, that's because of the hotel Wi-Fi. So I apologize for that. There's been a couple little ones, but nothing big. Don't worry about it, James. Um, but, uh, yeah, to go along with that, I completely forgot where I was going. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we were, we were just talking I about the nomination. When I did. Uh, yeah, and, oh, that's what I was going to say. You know, I first of all, I'm a fan of racing, and, and I was talking to some people on Twitter over the week, um, people complaining. Jeff Gluck was out covering the uh, Formula E in New York, and people were complaining about the, that series compared to NASCAR and things like that. And just people were complaining on social media like people complain on social media. And people were complaining about Kentucky and how small the crowd was and how bad the racing was. And I'm of the belief that a race is a race. And I'm excited about a race. And I'm going to have fun watching a race, whether it's a good race or a bad race. Yes, I would prefer good races. But there isn't a bad race to me. A bad race is a race that doesn't happen. If there's a race, it's a good race, period. Yeah. So yeah, and we're not in the entertainment business, right? right? I mean, that's I think that's what people get misconstrued quite a bit is they turn on a race to be entertained all the way through. Well, it's not it's not like that. Like Chicago and Daytona were fantastic races. Right. Um, but they also had great side by side racing. In, in the case of Chicago, you had a ridiculously close finish and a great last lap. But I mean, those races themselves are not, you know, they're not wall to wall bumping and banging and crazy and you're going to get you're not going to get that every week you're not going to get that in any sport every week there's going to be there's going to be there's going to be games there's going to be races whatever it is and you're just that's sports i mean somebody's going to somebody's going to whoop somebody's butt like right. martin Truex jr did and there's nothing you can do about it that's sports well and, and nascar is not helping with the whole entertainment factor because they're certainly trying to keep the entertainment oh, sure. factor there yep. um i i applaud them and uh, applaud them for their lack of debris cautions because I feel like we could have used some a couple times in some of the races recently. But yeah. um, I, as I said, I'm a race fan. I, I'm, I've learned to appreciate the sport regardless of what happens. I've learned to, you know, I couldn't stand Jimmy Johnson winning all those races and all those championships, but I learned to appreciate what he was doing. Um, so I appreciate somebody who can dominate like that. And I love the fact that there's three guys doing it this year because you get you get the domination, but you still get the I don't know who's going to win this week. Yeah, you know maybe it's going to be one of those three guys probably. You know, yeah. I mean I would say what 95 percent of the time it's going to be yeah. one of those three guys, but you don't know which one. And right. so and, that's that's been fun to watch. And you, I keep thinking ahead now. I, I'm to the point now we're we're getting closer. I'm looking to the playoffs, and man, are the playoffs going to be entertaining this year? Oh yeah. I, how can they not be? You you got to think that one of these three guys is not going to make it to the to Homestead. The the odds are just not in favor of all three making it. Right. I know I know that sounds weird, but there's always something when it comes to the playoffs where somebody has something happen and they miss that final race at Homestead. And I just it's going to get crazy. Well, and here's it's the deal: get crazy. if all three of them do make it. How freaking cool yeah. is Homestead going to oh, be? I know, yeah. And I, that's what I would love to see. None I'd of those three guys are it. bad there. I know. I'd love to see all three of these guys make it and Larson. Yeah. Just because Can you imagine of, I mean, that, that race? That would be my dream Homestead. We could just park the rest of the field and just race those four guys. It'd be a blast. Oh, heck yeah. I'd be up for it. It'd be a, it'd be a fantastic show. I, I, I really think it's all going to come around to the, to the playoffs here. I mean, I know it's – it can seem long sometimes, and NASCAR season is long. But I don't feel like it seems long. I can't believe we're almost to the playoffs. I know. It's just they, they start clicking by when you get through the summer schedule here. It's, yeah. uh, But, I mean, it's – sure, we had a stinker race. But if you're a NASCAR fan, you know what's coming. I, I think we I think we all know what's coming. It's it's going to be worth it when you, 
when you get to the playoffs. You just yeah. gotta you just gotta go through the schedule, let things play out. Well, and there were people screaming on Twitter about we need to take Kentucky off the schedule and all this crap. And yeah. see, the problem, the problem the problem isn't Kentucky. The problem is the asphalt, and it's always going to be that way when you repave a track. They had to, okay, did they have to repave Kentucky? They had to repave parts of Kentucky. Um, I forget whose podcast I was listening to because I listened to a bunch of them on the way down here because it was a six-hour drive. But I, I think it was Junior's podcast. Maybe I don't remember. Anyway, it might have been the it might have been the um, door rubber clear from uh, um, TJ Majors and, and Brett Griffin. Anyway, it was one of those podcasts they were talking about that basically cars were getting air on the front stretch coming over the tunnel on the front stretch. There was a huge bump, and that was the big reason they repaved the track. Now, the question was, could they have just repaved the trioval and not touched the corners? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. But you're always going to get this with a repave. Um, if there was a way that we could put old asphalt down on the track, NASCAR would have already done it. There's just no way. You're going to have this with a repave. It's going to take years for it to... I mean, look at Chicagoland. 2001, they paved that place. 2001, when they built it, was the last time they paved it. And it took us this many years to get a good race right. there. I mean, Michigan, it's been how many years since they paved it? And it's starting to get better. But it's still a lot of mm -hmm. one groove, and so it's just the nature of the beast. And if, we, if we're if we patient with this and let it sit, Kentucky's going to be a really good track. It's just going to take a few years to get there. Yep, it'll, and it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. It's just, you know. Kentucky's you, in the right part of the country, too. Like Michigan's good, too, because you get a lot of those. You get those harsh winters, and yep. then you get the hot summers, and that works on that asphalt, and it really, you know, it tears it up. And that's, that's what makes good racing is when it gets warped yeah. and when it gets – you know, you have to patch it and all that stuff. And that's also yeah. what tears a racetrack apart and makes them have to repave it. So I just love for these track, you know, these track owners to start, just put the cheapest crap down. You can get <laughs> instead of laser precision, right. uh, you know, asphalt, this next generation asphalt. That's, you know, we're so not doing it for IndyCar anymore. Cause IndyCar's not running on any of these tracks anymore. Exactly. So it doesn't need to be perfectly smooth. Let's put some some rumble strips out there or something. Make some bumps and yeah. just let's tear some splitters <laughs> off. I'm off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, if the splitter comes off on a normal run, that's perfect. Right. <laughs> that's it. So a couple other notable stories I wanted to hit on for the race before we move on. Um, Denny Hamlin didn't get to qualify uh, because they had tech inspection issues. There were I think four cars that had trouble in tech, uh, but his was the most notable. So he started at the back. Um, Kyle Larson had to go to the back of the field because he missed driver intros. When was the last time somebody missed driver intros? Gosh, I can't even remember that happening. He must not have uh, paid very good attention to Jeff Gluck's 12 questions this year. <laughs> he must have been stuck in the bathroom or something. So what happened, I guess, and I, I think I read it on Twitter or they said it on the TV broadcast or something, was that he was he had some friends there at the track and he was goofing off with them and he was close to the stage but not at the stage and he mistimed when, he, when they were in the order and didn't get to the stage in time to get out there. Um, I th immediately thought, what is Larson sick or something? Cause nobody ever misses driver intros. They're everything. No. They're scheduled to the second as to what they're doing throughout the day. Like how in the world did somebody let him, I mean, whether it's him or his, out of that. <laughs> I know, right? So Larson goes to the back and manages to get, you know, pretty close to the front and then has his, uh, has his track power issues, which was apparently the same issue that Jamie McMurray was having. Um, I, I can't remember if it was this weekend or previously where the track bar would basically adjust itself and it'd go the wrong direction. And so they told him to quit messing with it. So, because as he messed with it, it would make it worse. They came in and pitted and put 18 rounds of wedge in the car to counteract <laughs> what the track bar had done. And he said he went out and it ran decent for the first few laps and then it was starting to go tight again at the end of the race. But 
I have but he was the fastest car on the track. Rounds no, right? in my life. He was the fastest car on the track at the end of the race, but he was, you know, six seconds behind Truex, so there was no way he was going to catch him. But, I mean, I, I know we've talked about this every week. It's, I feel like we go to a mile and a half or a two-mile track, but if that guy would just get it together for, like, five minutes. I know. He's so dang good at all these mile-and-a-half tracks. I, it's like he could, he he could still steal doesn't these have races a win if, there. It, if it worked for him. There's, he still doesn't have a mile and a half win because it just I know. something goes I wrong know. every so time. Weird. Um, the one guy who sh- the, the other notable story I did not put in the notes because I just and I just thought of it was uh, um, a, a two three finish for Ryan Blaney and uh, Brad Keselowski. Penske gets second and third on the day, so yeah. good finish for those guys. Those guys are starting to click away, and they they talked about it after the race. Um, definitely starting to feel like they've got cars that are more competitive and, and they're getting closer. So, um, yeah, Brad was excited to head to Kentucky. I was, uh, uh, he had posted something on Twitter where he was, he was sound like he was ready to go and he felt like he was close and, right. uh, you know, he led some laps too. So yep. that's, we haven't seen that out of Brad this year. He's been consistent, but not, not up front. So yep. that's a good sign. Um, before we move on to the, do we care James, is there anything else in the cup race? I know you said there wasn't really a whole lot that you had to talk about. I don't really think yeah, there's anything. just not a, yeah, no, okay. I mean, <laughs> we, the really only, the only thing you can do is tip your hat to Truex and, and on to New Hampshire. So before we go into the, do we care? I have some breaking news that just popped up on Twitter and I, I bring it up because I noticed it and I'm going to, I'll, I'll click, I'll add the link to the show notes. So you guys can check it out as well. Uh, Jerry Jordan kicking the tires, uh, just, released or just put a story up um and i noticed it during the race that bubble wallace's car had this black strip at the back of it and i thought it was tape and i'm like wow did, did wallace get in the wall during qualifying or something and they taped it up and instead of repainting it they just taped it up with black tape but i see the picture here and no it's definitely painted on there and apparently some of the teams and i haven't read the story obviously because i saw this as we're doing the podcast but the teams are putting shadows on the cars and fooling with stuff in the back to beat the laser inspection. Ah. And so let's see. Teams with all black or extremely dark colored race cars are given high res scan. Teams with light colored race cars usually get the low resolution scans because they do not take as long as the high res scans. Now it appears that over the past couple of months, some teams have figured out that changing the paint scheme and incorporating a dark color, most commonly black, around the rear fender wells, along the bottom edge of the car, and up to the rear bumper cover tricks the OSS into thinking the car is narrower than its actual measurements. According That's to NASCAR, there's no difference in hardware for the measurements taken with a low resolution scan versus high resolution. High resolution scan is just a high, long, just is just run longer. Uh, let's see. One crew chief who spoke with kicking the tires strictly on a confidential basis said teams are not cheating, but they are learning that contrasting colors affect the average measurements used to determine if the bodies of the race cars are within NASCAR specifications. The goal, he said, is to get more of the car, more of the rear of the car into the air to help with downforce at tracks like Kentucky Speedway, which coincidentally is where some of the teams altered the paint schemes for the first time. That's Cole, fantastic. Cole Pern agreed to speak on the record about what he knows regarding the areas teams have darkened. Uh, oh, yeah, it's for the Hawkeye, Pern said, matter-of-factly. I think the scanner struggles around the wheel openings. They're picking them up. They have high-resolution scan, blah, 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 blah. Is anything? Uh, well, Smart and Trex runs all black cars. Right. <laughs> so they're getting the high-res scan. Except for the uh, other car that he just won with. <laughs> right. So we've got we've – got, uh, Kicking the Tires has a bunch of pictures on here. Jerry took, um, which Jerry was right behind me at, at, in the media center. Um H.A. Allmendinger's car has a black stripe on the bumper. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the whole rear bumper is black. 
Um, Ryan Newman's car has black on the rear end. Uh, Chris Busher and Bubba Wallace both have that black stripe. The rear bumper on Austin Dillon's car and um, Eric Almarola's car is black. And then there's a different shade of green on Paul Menard's Quaker State car. So really, really interesting. And just another way that these guys are trying to beat the system. I feel like this is a win for us on this podcast because we (laughs) talk about this all the time. These teams are always looking for a way to figure this thing out. Yeah, great job by by Jerry Jordan on on breaking this story. Um, He's got a couple more pictures here. Jimmy Johnson's got a two-tone on the back. William Byron, two-tone on the back. Uh, There's the 15, which I think is Ross Chastain, isn't 15, Ross Chastain? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think so. Alex Bowman with two-tone on the back. Really interesting. So great job with him. Nice big story on here. So we'll link that in the show notes, and I'm going to retweet it right now. Um, so, yeah. That's wow. uh, that's something, man. <laughs> so there you go. Trolling, I, trolling Twitter as uh, as the show's going on. I saw that pop up. It's why, like, ooh, that sounds here's, interesting. Here's my one question for you. Yeah. Why does this have to be broken by – why, why is there a journalist breaking the story and why isn't NASCAR figuring this out and taking care of it right away? I don't know. You know, it's funny. The more, the more I work in, and I'm not, I don't want to bash NASCAR or anything, but the more you work inside the sport and get to see the inner workings of the sport, the more you realize that this is, it's a, you know, it, this is a fortune 500 company, but it's not run like a fortune 500 company. This is a, you know, it's a grassroots organization. It's got grassroots people. I'll be at a lot more people than it had in the seventies and eighties and nineties and whatever. But you know, they're, that's why they hire people to work on their inspection crews that are former crew chiefs that used to cheat the system because they're not catching the stuff. And like I said, I, I saw that on the back of Bubba's car. Never would have thought in a million years, it was something they were trying to do to trick the system. It's so blatantly obvious looking at these pictures now. I didn't yeah. even notice it during the race. <laughs> I noticed Bubba's. That's the only one I noticed, and it's just because I saw it on that right rear. Every time he passed, he had this bright orange it's, car, you know. And Yeah, it's every team doing it. Yeah. Every single team's that. You got Roush Fenway's in here, JTD Doherty, mm-hmm. Wood Brothers, Stuart Haas, Richard Childress. That's incredible. Yeah. Hendrick. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a great story. Yes. So awesome job. Good job for the kicking, the, kicking the tires guys. Those guys are pretty good. So, um, and they work hard. They're at every race and they're always busting their butts all weekend. So congratulations to those guys on, on breaking that story. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Yes. I can't wait to hear what they say. What I can't wait to hear what NASCAR says. I don't care so much about what the team owners say. Cause we know what these teams are up to. Right. They're, if it's not this, it's something else. Oh yeah. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Right. So I can't wait to see what NASCAR says, why they're letting the slide. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. On that note, after a swig of Mountain Dew there, let's talk about Do We Care? America's Dream. Yeah, there's a really good segue. <laughs> so do D-E-W We Care. Do yeah, we care. there you go. Yeah, Mountain Dew. Come on. Sponsor us, guys. Yeah, there do, you go. Do We Care. For plug. Perfect. Perfect. I'm calling them up. Um, do We Care? Kyle Busch versus Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So you heard the audio clip in the open of the show, uh, Kyle Busch ripping on Stenhouse a little bit in the press conference uh, during uh, media availability on Friday. Uh, Stenhouse was asked pretty much immediately afterwards by NBC if he had anything to say, and he told them, no, maybe come back later and he might have something to say. So it, it took him 24 hours about to think up a good response. And basically he told um, NBC that 
well, he leaned into Kyle Busch's car during qualifying after after Senhouse got knocked out of qualifying. He went over to Kyle's car and leaned in the window, and he told NBC that, he, and Kyle confirmed this at a at a an event later in the day, um, that Stenhouse leaned in and said, you know, quit running your mouth, and if you're gonna run your mouth, then come do it to me, and I'll stop you, and basically yes. laying laying the smackdown. Um, well, there's another another part of this. Do we care in a moment that we'll get to? But feud between Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Kyle Busch, do we care? Yes. This is the first one I'm saying yes to. I'm in. I love it. So here's my take. Yeah. I'm up for any – let me just say I'm up for any feuds. We need this stuff, man. I just heard Dave Moody was talking to Daryl Waltrip on the radio on Sirius XM today. I heard it in the car. And he asked Daryl, he says, when you got into somebody when you were racing, did you – call him up the next day and, and apologize. And Terrell just laughed as you know, <laughs> this, this, this sport is getting so like, I think, and, and I think Dave Moody said this before and I totally agree with it. Maybe Daryl said it before too. The worst thing that has happened to this sport, the worst thing is the driver's motorhome lot because all these drivers and families hang out with each other every weekend and they're like a big family and it's gotten rid of some of this stuff because they're afraid to bump heads. They're afraid to, you know, stir some stuff up and we need this. Now the problem is it's Ricky Stenhouse and Kyle Busch, you know, I mean, yes, Ricky Stenhouse has, has an opportunity to really screw up Kyle Busch's day. And, and Kyle really is, you know, I, I love Kyle. I, I wish Kyle the best of luck and everything. Kyle's not very smart for starting a battle with Ricky Stenhouse. Yeah, because Ricky has nothing battle. to lose, and Kyle yeah. has everything to lose. Yeah, it's a meaningless fight for Kyle. Kyle said it in his audio clip. He doesn't worry about guys racing that far back in the field. Well, then don't. So stop worrying about it. Now, I'll be it. I'll, I'll give him this. He was yeah. asked the question in the press conference, but he could have very easily said in the press conference, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to deal with that. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, but then then would be complaining that he's that he's Jimmy Johnson and True. he's super vanilla. True, and that's that's what we like about Kyle. That's what we like about Kyle. Yep, um, that's what we want. But I, I'm with you. I any any battle like this is good. I, we need this type of stuff. We need more of this stuff. I liked you know I did the story after Michigan when, when Larson basically called out the other Chevy, Chevy teams and said that they were using the Camaro as an excuse versus their team that was actually you know accomplishing stuff with it. And that's the type of stuff we need in NASCAR. We need some people yeah, we do. saying yep. some stuff, telling it how it is. And, you know, I applaud Ricky Stenhouse for doing the same thing. I mean, I'm glad that he stood up to him. Sure, he stood up to him while he was trapped in a car with a helmet on. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Getting ready to go out sure. and qualify. Well, but, if Kyle Busch is coming at you with his fist cocked, I'm not, I, if I'm Ricky, I'm not really worried about that. Yeah, I think, I think Ricky's probably got a little on Kyle in well, that Ricky instance. Ricky used to, used to work out. I don't know if he still does, but yeah. he used to do all that CrossFit crap with Danica. Right. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I you know think what Ricky's I love about it. this feud, too? You've got two guys on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. You've got Kyle Busch, who's high in the hog. He's living his best life. He's winning all these races. You got the scorned lover in Ricky Stenhouse. <laughs> he's, he's struggling this year. He's he's coming off a year where he had some moderate success, and now he's you know kind of back in the doldrums. Right. And like Kyle said, he's running in the back of the field. This is just this is beautiful. Right. I love it. I'm all for it. So we both like it. I'm I'm on the. I like it, but I wish it was with two high-profile drivers instead of one high-profile one. I think Harvick and Kyle Busch will find their way to each other at some point. I, I wouldn't mind to see the Brad Keselowski Kyle Busch reignited. Yes. Although I think yep. those guys are kind of they've kind of cleared the air for the most part. Although for now. there was, <laughs> um, 
at the post race media, uh, Ryan Blaney, one of the first questions Ryan was asked, he said one of the I, I might have been Dustin Long again, or maybe it was maybe it was Lee Spencer. I don't know. One of them asked him, or no, it was the NASCAR.com lady. It was the very first question. She she asks him. Um, she says Kyle said earlier in the week that he thinks that Blaney is like the next guy to step up. And I didn't hear that part of the press conference, but apparently Kyle said it. That he's gonna, he's the next he's the next uh, next young guy that's going to break through. And Ryan says, Kyle Bush said that. And him and I forget exactly what the exchange was, but him and Brad had a pretty good exchange where Brad was like, "Oh yeah, good, good for you. You got Kyle's eye on you." It's like, yeah, it was pretty that's awesome. Good. That's led awesome. Me, led me to believe that while there's that respect there, there's still that animosity as well. So, um, so anyway, moving on. Still on the do, did you care topic. So Saturday before the um, Quaker State 400, NASCAR America was on NBCSN. Um, or NBC, I don't know, because I didn't get a chance to watch it. Obviously, I was at the track. Kyle Petty, who is somebody that I probably disagree with about 99% of the time, had a comment on this. And here's this is his quote. I tried to pull the audio, but I couldn't find it. He says, where is NASCAR? They didn't step in when Logano and Kansas got in their scrap, and we saw how that ended up at Martinsville. We heard Ricky say, I'll take care of it. That seems to be a little over the line. NASCAR needs to step into this before it ends up on the racetrack and these other 36, 37 guys are involved in something that's not of their making. I don't care who it is. NASCAR needs to step into this. Thoughts? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, You know, why is Kyle still on TV? I'll <sighs> say it. Why shouldn't be on TV anymore. You know, there. the only thing that I give Kyle is that he's not afraid to give the unpopular opinion. That's true. And this is the unpopular unpopular opinion. Um, and 90% of the time he does it, and I think he does it just to rile everybody up, to be honest. Um, I don't Logano know. Logano and Kenseth was the greatest moment yeah. we had. <laughs> it's like that's a, like a moment in time. I remember where I was when that happened. Right. And look, NASCAR didn't step up until something happened that crossed the line. They didn't yep. step up before that. They stepped up after that. And you know what happened? It didn't happen again. That's, yeah, that's what happens. You had the, you had the Denny Hamlin and chase Elliott thing, you know, chase roughed yep. up Denny a little bit, cut his tire down. Didn't really, it wasn't nearly as blatant as this. And it was two guys racing the same lap for the same position. NASCAR didn't do anything about it. Guess what? It's over with. Yeah. You know, th this stuff can play itself. itself out. Yeah. yeah. I was, there was uh Man, what was, oh, I was watching clips. There was a, a YouTube thing of Matt Kenseth, or uh, not Matt Kenseth, Matt Kraft, Crafton. Um, there's these YouTube videos, so-and-so feuding with whoever, you know, fights with Matt Crafton, fights with Kyle Busch or whatever. And this whole thing was Matt Crafton and people he'd had trouble with. And there was a race back in Gateway several years ago. And it was uh, Matt Crafton and Tabodine coming to the green flag. I don't know if Crafton even won a race at this point yet. Um, Crafton dives to the inside going into turn one and Tabodine's on the outside and Tabodine just runs him down, runs him down. And Crafton just about three quarters of the way down the track just stops turning down and just runs it into the turn. He didn't miss his line, anything like that. He just stopped going down. Tabodine comes down, crosses in front of him, wrecks himself. Next restart, same situation. Matt Crafton, Mike Skinner. Um, oh no, Ron Hornaday, Ron Hornaday. Ron Hornaday does the same thing, runs him down. Crafton goes right down to the bottom of the track, can't go down any further, and cuts across the front end, and Hornaday's in the wall. 
And NASCAR black flag Matt Crafton for that and put him at the back of the field costing the race. That's the type of crap we don't need. And we had that in NASCAR back. Right. You know, people want the good old days of NASCAR. Mid-90s, early 2000s, we had that stuff. NASCAR was getting right. way too involved in this stuff. And then we got to the Boys Have At It era. And I think that's how, that's worked out pretty well. Yeah, let it go. They'll figure it out. Exactly. Let these guys police themselves for the most part. Right. If Kyle Busch finds himself in a little sticky situation, um, <laughs> I mean, it it won't be because NASCAR got in the way. It'll yep. be because of something that's going on on the track. Let these guys go. I don't, I don't disagree with, you know, limiting how many crew members are on pit road. So it's not a giant brawl and all that stuff. That's fine. But let these guys, let these I guys like figure a good it brawl out. once in a while though. Oh, too. me too. I mean, <laughs> I, dude, I love hockey. Hockey's my favorite sport and they're trying Clint to get Blair, Jeff Gordon. Hockey. Great oh, brawl. No kidding. <laughs> and it wasn't even between them. I know. <laughs> I don't know. We were sprinting down the track. The Tony Stewart, Casey Kane, Chicagoland one was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, a really good, good one. one. So anyway, and you know, we need those every once in a while. So. Tony Stewart versus pretty much everybody yeah. at some point. Yeah. yeah. Tony Stewart, Joey Logano was pretty good at Chicago, at uh, California the one oh, year. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yep. That, Tony, yep. The year that everybody the was mad at Logano. The comment with, <laughs> yeah. with Steve Burns. Yeah, and, the, and Logano probably got whipped on by Denny Hamlin, too, if he hadn't broken his back. So yeah, yeah, that was a good race. Anyway, I so, still pull out the pull out the bust of my, or bust his a every once in a while. <laughs> my yeah. favorite quotes. That's a good quote. It's a really good quote. Um, so yeah, I think we're both in agreement. Kyle needs to shut up and <laughs> or Kyle just Petty, keep by going. the way, Kyle yeah. Petty. Yeah, Kyle Petty. Yes. Yeah. Kyle Bush. No. No, Kyle, Kyle Bush can keep going. I want that to keep going. Kyle Petty just yeah yeah just whatever. <laughs> All right, really quick, let's hit on, since I was there all weekend, we'll hit on the Xfinity race and the Camping World Truck Series race at Kentucky. Um, we don't usually go too in-depth in these. The the Osco 300, uh, Christopher Bell spins out in qualifying, trying to run for the pole. Um, his crew chief took most of the blame for it in the post-race press conference, said he adjusted the car too much. Uh, comes back from the back of the pack to win uh, at Kentucky Speedway. Um, Kyle Busch was in the race as well. Led a little bit at the beginning, but it was pretty much not back all night, which was pretty interesting. Um, we had an Xfinity, Xfinity regular win with Christopher Bell. Obviously, it's Kyle's teammate, so it's a Joe Gibbs car. But still, pretty interesting to see uh, a couple Xfinity guys up battling for the lead. And John Hunter Dimitrick was putting on a show, too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was putting on a show. He hit. He caused two wrecks, so that was good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm guessing Ty Majeski's not real thrilled with him, uh, nor is Brandon Jones. So. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And I and he also caused the opening lap wreck in the truck series race on Thursday night as well. So John Hunter was running in everybody Hunter, this weekend. But he had a rough weekend. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Pretty rough. So um but he ran really well in that race as well, driving a car that had won yeah. the two previous weeks. So yep. um yeah. And then uh Camping World Truck Series, buckle up in your truck two twenty five. Despite the worst name of the weekend, it was definitely the best race of the weekend. Um, the truck series, I still contend, puts on the best show almost every weekend. Chicagoland was the one exception. That was just because of the ending of the cup race. Um, ben Rhodes get to win on his home track. It was his second career victory. Um, and Ben was super excited after winning that race. I'll tell you what, Christopher Bell was pretty low-key um, for his win, but but uh, Ben was pretty, pretty fired up, and it was fun to listen to him. Um, again, second career victory on his home track. I got a chance to ask him in the press conference if it was sweeter for him to win on his home track uh, versus his first win. Here's what he had to say. Oh, this is for sure sweeter. This is sweeter than my first win. <laughs> this is because of the people that are here. You know, this isn't this isn't Daytona. It hasn't been around since you know, well before I was born. What 60s? 
50s? When did Daytona come around? Long time ago. Well before I was even a thought. Um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, it doesn't have the history that Daytona does, but it has the history for me. I grew up at this track racing bandoleros and legend cars. I grew up driving down the road past this track going to go-kart races. And I pass this racetrack every single time I go to Thor Sport Racing. So I'm staring at it all the time. Sometimes I'll just pull in here without Mark or those guys knowing and just, you know, kind of look around. <laughs> and um, I send selfies to them sometimes. And it's just, it's so special for me. I, I literally don't have words to describe it. You ask me a year later, I might have words for you. But right now I don't have words and it's just so special. So, James, I, I'm, I'm thinking you and I can relate to this. Um, you know, he got a lot of flack afterwards. People were asking him about the whole selfie thing and pulling on the track and all that. But I don't know about you. If I drive by, I mean, Tri-City Motor Speedway is my, my home track. I work there now. If I drive by there, I got to stop and check the place out. I mean, oh, yeah. you're the same way, right? Well, don't tell Steve. Well, this is before Steve <laughs> bought it. But I, when I had my Monte Carlo, I may have gone around the, the half mile a few times. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so that's that's you really love a place. That's uh, that's what you do. So, um, yeah. very cool for Ben to get that win there and put on a good show for for the the hometown fans. So good good for yeah. him. Absolutely, and, and then, you know, like you're probably I don't know if you're like me, but whenever the new NASCAR this is back when I actually played video games, but whenever the new NASCAR game would come out, I'd pop it in and the first track I'd go to MIS every oh, time. Yeah. yeah, I'd go and critique how well they did the uh, the oh. textures and all that and what they yeah, had. Yeah, right look and around. Wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm terrible just with tracks in general. Like, if I you watch, I watch a commercial, maybe like a car commercial or whatever, and you can tell that they're at a, at a track, and I'm yeah. trying to use whatever info is available there to figure out what track it is, and it drives me crazy yeah, until I can figure I it out. Yeah. Usually, I can figure ben it out. Ro- though. Ben Rhodes makes me feel so old. He's ten years younger than me. <laughs> uh, man, he's he's fun and he's excited because he's going into Eldora where he has no experience on dirt. Yeah, that's gonna um, be fun. And uh, and he doesn't have to worry about a win because he's he's in the playoffs. So yeah, he's good to go. Yep. locked in. So he can go have some fun at Eldora with no pressure and uh, have a good time out there. So that's cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit of news. We already got in the news a little bit, but uh, let's hit on some stuff here. James, you get the first one because you've added this to the list, and I haven't had a chance to read up on it yet. So go for it. Oh yeah, Bob, so Bob Pockris, uh he put a list together of the 19 things to keep an eye on during silly season, and the link is in the show notes. Um, I'm not going to go through the entire list. But he brought up some really good ones that um, I've been thinking about myself, but I guess, you know, then there's some that I didn't even think about. Yeah, well, his uh, number two is no longer accurate. Yep, two, knows, two is no longer accurate. Chad Knauss is signed through 2020. Which is also uh, in our show notes to discuss. Yep, we'll get to that, and we'll get to that shortly. Uh, but he does talk about Jimmy Johnson's sponsor. Um, that's on there. What's going to happen with Bain and Roush Fenway and Kenseth, all that's on there. Um, Bubba Wallace? Still, he only has a one-year deal. What's going to happen to that 43 car? They're they're struggling for funding. Yeah. Um. This is probably where you and I were talking about the podcast, and this is another thing that's in the show notes that we'll get to. But the future of Furniture Row Racing, because they are in their final deal with Toyota and Joe Gibbs. Right. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But that's another thing to think about uh, before the end of the year. Casey Kane, um, and in his one-year deal, Jeff Gordon and Fox Sports is he coming back? So we're getting to that point where we're looking ahead to 2019 and uh, there's a lot of silly season chips on the board and that probably one of my favorite parts of NASCAR is silly season. And yeah, uh, we're going to we're going to have a few things coming up here. Well, let me let me run through these real quick cuz this is the first time I'm even looking at the list. So Yeah. Um obviously Jimmy Johnson's crew chief number 2, we already know. Uh Chad Knauss re-upped. Again, we'll talk about that in a second here. 
Um, number three, Trevor Bain. Uh, here's my prediction, and I, I base this off of an interview that I believe Kenseth did with Claire B. Lang this week. Um, yeah, Bain's my, gone. My <laughs> prediction is Bain's gone. Kenseth gets that, yeah. gets that car full time next year. Yeah, Kenseth's going to run a full season in the six next year. Yeah. Yep. Just the way he was talking made it really seem like he w- that was that was happening. So, so that's actually that's three and four. So, um, yeah. Uh, Bubba, I don't have a take on that. Richard Petty Motorsports. Kurt Busch will be back. I'm. Yep, Kurt Busch is back. I think we saw a couple weeks ago where it looks like all of the H uh, the SHR guys are coming back. Um, so I would expect no no problems with Bush there. Right. Um, this list kind of takes off. You you added to the notes about the furniture row racing thing. I guess if we wanted to talk about that a little bit, what the future looks like for furniture row, I'll let you kind of. Yeah, let's dig into those a little bit. Let's let's. Because I want to talk about since that. a lot of these go across the board. Um, let's go back to the Jimmy Johnson thing uh, really quick. Chad Knauss announced that they, they've signed a two-year extension um, as of Saturday morning for him to remain with, uh, with, the, with Jimmy Johnson or with, the Hendrick, with Hendrick Motorsports through Hendrick, 2020. Yeah. Um, two-year extension. The, the talk is we don't know when Jimmy Johnson co- contract ends, but it's likely 2020 as well. I don't see Jimmy Johnson leaving. I don't see him retiring in two years. Um, I, I just don't. I think he might. I, I don't think he, think he will in two years. I, I think he think, might. I think he will in the next five. I don't see two I tell years. you what, Hendrick Motorsports is closer to not winning a race this season than they are to winning any races this season. Yeah, I don't and know, And if though. they continue just, to struggle like this, I don't see Johnson. I don't think Jimmy having a little adversity, though, is going to drive him out. He's never had adversity, though. Yeah. Let's be, I mean, let's be well, honest. Well, he has. Jimmy's never... He's had, he had adversity before he got in the Cup Series. Well, yeah, I but mean, since he was he's a... been in the Cup Series, he's kind of been riding gravy for 15 years. Yeah. So... I don't know. This is this is a new thing for him. He's not used to failing. Right. And he's been failing for a little bit here. Well, and the thing is, we don't know the terms of Knauss's contract. However, just I did see that Knauss said he wants to be a car or he wanted to be a car right. owner someday. Yep. Um, but just because Knauss is re-signed with um, Hendrick does not mean that Correct. he will continue to be Jimmy Johnson's crew chief. Right. And, and that was something Daryl said today on Sirius. If he was Rick Hendrick, he would switch that up right now because it's not working the way it is. He would. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's ask that question since we're on this topic. You're Rick Rick Hendrick. Do you do you switch them up? Do you remove I Jack Knauss exactly from Jimmy Johnson? Exactly where I'd put him. Yeah. Yep. He'd be crew chief in that nine car. I wouldn't hesitate. So you would you would pull them apart. I wouldn't do it, man. I think it's time. I, think I wouldn't it's time. do it. It's too I much success there. Too much success. Look at yeah. all the talk of, you know, what Jeff Gordon's career would have been if Ray Abraham was still there. I don't know. True. I'd have a hard time but pulling. They've been they've been together. If they had only been together, let's okay, let's say they've been together five years and they'd won four championships or something. Yeah, then you no, you you let them ride it out. But they've won seven I together. Know, but seven. But it's really bad right now. I, they're not good. It is really bad good. right now. They're terrible. They're not good. They're terrible. But they're, here's the thing. It's not just them that's terrible, though. It's the well, entire it's Hendrick organization. Right. Correct. So. But wouldn't you want to see, even if you're, let's, if I'm Jimmy Johnson, wouldn't you want to try it with somebody else one time? Maybe not so much Johnson, but maybe no. Knauss. Wouldn't Knauss want to say, like, man, one time, I'd like to try it with somebody else. Here's the thing, though. You've got arguably the best, the arguably the best crew chief in NASCAR. Best maybe, all time. Maybe the best all time. Yeah. It's hard to say best all time because 
Everham was really good. And Everham was really good. You know, Everham was really good. What, Everham's forgotten. Yeah, because he left he's, at the he, high he's point. He's extremely underrated. Right. He left at the high point instead of at the yeah. low point like most people do. But, yeah. but let's just say for the sake of argument, you've got the best crew chief of all time and the best driver of all time. We both agreed on that before, right? That Jimmy's the best right. ever. So yeah, Jimmy's the best ever. wouldn't you want the best to work with the best? I mean, ah. what, how could you be better than having the best work with the best? Yeah, but what, at what point does the best hit the de- – the best doesn't stay the best forever. What is the, at what point does the best become, eh, he's good? I don't know, man. I don't. Is, I don't, is Jimmy eh? I don't good? think of them. I don't think either of them is eh yet. I mean, wouldn't you want to? to I don't know. For me, <laughs> I've got Chase Elliott right there, and I and I'm hard on Chase Elliott. I am. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm one guy who's really hard on Chase Elliott. But man, the opportunity to put the future with with the all-time great that is Chad Canales just for two years. I mean, I. If I'm Hendrick, I'd go. I'd, I'd make that move. I would. So here's here's what I would do I if would. I was Rick Hendrick, and ride this season out. Well, this is this this kind of goes a little bit with my leadership style too. I'm not a dictator type leadership. I would pull the two in a room and I'd say, "What do you guys want to do?" I think they've, they've yeah they've earned it. They've earned You're enough with the success that they've had, and maybe they've already done this. They've earned enough to make that decision themselves. If they say they want to try something different then try something different. If they say they want to stick it out together and finish their careers together, you let them do it. I have one more counter argument off that point. If it's to the point where you have to pull them into a room and say, what do you want to do? Isn't it already too far gone? True. It's a good point. Just, just, just an argument. I'm just devil's advocate with you. I I don't disagree. The other thing I think they they deserve to choose what they want to do. Right. Well, we've also got sponsorship that's going to come into play too, because as we mentioned, you know, Lowe's is stepping back. So they've got, you know, it shouldn't be hard to get a sponsor for Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion. I feel like we should but have he's not else. running to the front of the field, man. You know, yeah, so it's not going to be that easy to get a sponsor for him. Especially, you know, we're talking, we're talking one of the rare circumstances. You know, there's not many people, many sponsors left in the sport that slap their name on the car every week. You yeah. know, Lowe's has been on the car between Lowe's and Cobalt, and then they'll sell the let. You know, Jimmy Johnson Foundation like this weekend, which, by the way, uh, on a side here, best looking car on the track this weekend. That Jimmy yeah, Johnson beautiful. Foundation car was awesome. Um, but they, you know, that's it's hard to find a sponsor that's going to fill the whole season. So they're going to have to find multiple sponsors for Jimmy Johnson this year. And if if that's going to be one of the sticking points and Rick's got to do what he's got to do as a businessman, you know. If so. I was Rick, okay, I'm going to do this again. And I'm, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing this because Rick Hendrick is way smarter yeah. than me. Neither of us are Rick Hendrick. Just <laughs> let's, let's clarify. <laughs> I have an idea. I have an idea. All right. Uh, you let, if I'm him, I shut the 88 down because the, the fourth car Hendrick's never been good. Let's be real. Okay. It's always been junk. Take the Exalta sponsorship because I don't think Jimmy Johnson's got anything lined up right now. I mean, Nothing's they've got to have announced. something in the works, but, and, and give that to Johnson and then do a mix the crew chiefs up a little bit. That yeah. is that would be what I would do, because that eighty eight car is not going anywhere. Yeah, that's interesting. Does I'd, he... I'd, I'd put everything into Byron and and Chase Elliott, and then you've got Johnson. Come on, Pockers. Pockers doesn't even have Bowman in here. Yeah, Bowman's <laughs> no. an unknown well, for Bowman's next year set. too, right? I think Bowman's set. No, I think he's got another year. I, I thought it was one two. year. I think he's got a two year deal. I swore it was one year. I think. I swore it was Don't one pull. year. 
I'm looking that up. I swear it was one year. That's pretty harsh right of me to say that about Bowman. I know he's a young guy, but I just don't have a whole lot of faith. I don't know in he's Bowman. been the best performing Hendrick guy. Oh, he's been he's been he's been pretty solid <laughs> uh, until I mean, this he, weekend. He had no fine. DNFs. He was the last driver with no DNFs. He's in the playoff hunt. Yeah, he's right there. I I just think you go with Byron and Chase Elliott, and you you figure it out. All right, so we can talk about that for a hundred years. Oh, I know. Yeah, um, that's bad. Surprisingly, the hotel Wi-Fi hasn't crapped out on us yet. So let's right. let's move on and tempting not fate. tempt fate We're here. Tempting. So in continuing with Bob Pockers' list, we have to give Bob Pockers some credit here for giving us this list because we're definitely going to lean on it a little bit more. So we got two more to consider here based on that list that's in our news. So part of it is Martin Truex Jr. working on a contract with Furniture Row. He was asked about it during his uh, press conference. I believe it was after winning the poll and basically said that they're, they're still working on some things. He wants to remain with the team. He likes the team, blah, blah, blah. And I, I believe it was Dustin Long again asked if everything's good, if you're happy there, what's, what's the holdup? Why, why are you still working on a deal? And he basically, Jurek said, there's some numbers that got to be figured out, some details that have to be figured out. It's all in the details. Well, you mentioned to me one of those details, so go ahead and hit on that. Yeah, and Bob touches on it a little bit, but I also did a little bit other, uh, a little bit more reading that uh, Furniture Row does not have a deal with Toyota or Joe Gibbs Racing yet this year, for next year. Um, obviously, it's been a pretty fruitful relationship, I'd say, uh, for, right. especially for the Furniture Row side, champions, um, winning a whole bunch of races. Uh, but if you're Joe Gibbs Racing, you're probably going to want to jack up the price. Yep, and I mean Joe and, JGR already did pull the deal with the crew with the pit crew members uh, last yeah. year, which they've said yep. they won't do that again. But and you've got Martin Truex Jr. This is another nugget that people I I haven't read anything about this, but I I've seen it in the past. Martin Truex Jr. is not being paid very much. Right. He's being paid not like a champion. I'm gonna say. Um, he's probably not on that pay scale. I think he's taken quite a big pay cut to stay in the sport right. and. Now he's, he's a champion. Yeah, so he's deserving he has, of a good number. <laughs> yeah, he's got some uh, he's got some weight of his own to throw around. Yep. You know, he's a champion now. He deserves to be paid as such. So here's another part that's going to play into that, and that's in our show notes, is Levine Family Racing has there was some there's some news um, from Adam Stern, which we haven't mentioned in the podcast yet tonight. But Adam Stern's always mm-hmm. out there breaking some news. Uh, Adam Stern reports on Twitter that they are exploring a possibility of switching from Chevrolet next year and going to Toyota. And if they go to Toyota, could open the door for an alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing. So Ah. if they don't re-up with Furniture Row. And you have your driver. Does Levine Family Racing now get that that affiliation with Joe Gibbs? Possibly. and, And might amp up Casey Kane's deal over there a little bit better. So possibly, or you let Casey Kane walk and you bring in Martin Truex Jr. There you go. Yeah. There's some interesting nuggets there that uh, could all play together. This is the problem with these teams and these lease deals. Yep. And I think this is why Stuart Haas racing wanted to go in house. And and when Ford came to the table with, with, uh, with the Brinks truck, (laughs) they, they went for it because they could be self-sufficient. Yep. Furniture Row at this point, well, they will never be self-sufficient. No, They're, it's just not going to happen for Furniture Row. I, they've got a great thing going right now, but if Joe Gibbs Racing pulled the rug out from under him and went to Levine, right? That's that's it for Furniture Row. You're back on, you know, you're back running with Richard Childress or whatever, and that's not been good and for anybody. You, you know, let's look at it. I mean, obviously, Joe Gibbs is getting stuff out of this too. 
It's oh, sure. Not just, yeah. It's not just Furniture Row that's benefiting from this relationship. But right. if Furniture Row is benefiting more than Joe Gibbs, then, it, you know, it might not be if worth Joe, it for Joe Gibbs to continue doing right. it. And if Levine Family Racing can go to Joe Gibbs and say, yeah, we want that. Right. And Joe Gibbs is like, sure. And, and if, Levine, for whatever reason, can – I don't know. if they, they probably don't have the funds to, to support them. Right. I do think Furniture Racing is in a good spot with, you know, Barney Visser and, and that whole – you know they've they've got a pretty good setup over there, but you know but they also don't have uh, they don't have the five bar energy deal either. That's another thing that Bob mentioned. Right. So the uh, I mean I Furniture Row is a good example of you know if you can get the right deals in place and get the right people in place that you can still create a powerhouse team yeah. or at least one that can compete with the powerhouse teams. Yep. You know, in Stuart, I mean I wouldn't say Stuart a relatively High. short amount of time because it took a long time for them to get there, but the work. Oh sure, yeah. You know, Stuart Haas definitely was faster than everybody else. Yeah. But, Stuart Haas struggled for a long time, too. The, yeah. the thing that turned them around was giving just giving Tony Stewart half the company. Right. And, and using Tony Stewart's partnerships to build up the to build the program. And, oh, yeah. you know, they, they took that all the way to two championships. Yeah. You can tell where Furniture Row's success or not Furniture Row, uh, Stuart Haas success came from just by going to Tony Stewart's racetrack and seeing the, the billboards on the backstretch. Because yep. of the same logos that you see slapped on the cars every week- weekend, that yep. all the money that's gone to that organization is Tony Stewart's relationship with sponsors that he's pulled yep. in. Yep, absolutely. And, and ha- it didn't hurt having Harvick come over because Harvick brought his with him too that he had when he had his own team. So exactly. Yep. There's there's a lot of relationships there that they've built, and those two yeah, together, is, you know, this is one heck of an interesting little era we're in right now yeah the little guys have got everything's changing man it's there's so much going on well the little guys are getting the best performance mm-hmm. out of the cars but they don't have the power right which is just kind of going to be a fun thing to watch here yeah it's it's definitely we're at a turning point in the sport it's things are things are happening and it's interesting keep, yeah keep your eye on this martin Truex jr thing i don't think we've heard the end of it yet i'm sure they're going to figure it out but my prediction is he'll he. My prediction they'll stay with Toyota. They'll stay with the Joe Gibbs partnership, and he's going to stay in the, in the car. I don't. Oh yeah. I, I think, don't see any yeah. reason you don't make that happen. I think whatever Joe Gibbs puts out there for a, a, a right. number, you you sign on the dotted line, man. If yeah, you're think, if you're Barney yeah. Visser, you sign on the dotted line. Yeah, and you you tell Bass Pro Shops and everybody else, hey, you want to stay in the car? Let's let's keep this thing rolling. That's right. You know, especially if they go out there and they're. I mean, right now they're they're a legit contender. So yeah. You got to keep telling them that you're performing and they're they're you're, you know, you keep showing it and they're, they're good. Right. I mean, Kurt Busch is no slouch, but you know, Truex coming over there and that deal with Toyota are the yeah. two things. Kurt Busch, I, I, I think the know, Toyota deal was what really put them over the edge over there. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Toyota deal was great. And Martin Truex jr. Was, was really good. That was it the second year with, with Chevy. He made it, he made it to Homestead with that team and nobody f- figured out, could figure out how that happened. Right. And he was in the final four and Kurt Busch, you know, he played a pretty big role too. That, that team was pretty darn good that year. Just, he never got over the hump and got the win, but right. Um, they've taken some big steps, really big steps. Since you mentioned Martin Truex and I pulled the audio by accident, let's come full circle here. Martin Truex was asked about, did he ever doubt his ability as a race car driver with the struggle that he did leading up to his, his deal with furniture row. So here's what Martin Truex jr. Had to say at that. That's a tough one to answer. I would say that I always felt like I could get the job done, and I had enough glimpses of really good days or glimpses of greatness that I think it just kept me alive, kept me hungry enough to keep fighting for it. 
you know, it, um, obviously we won, won a race at DEI my second year in Cup and, and should have won a few more. Um, you know, really at, at MWR we were in position to win, you know, a handful of races and I felt like, felt like back in those days we were just jinxed, but, you know, more so than that, we just didn't do a lot of the little things right that it took, but, um, you know, we were able to at times take equipment that probably wasn't the best and, and dominate and lead some laps and, and have a shot at wins. You know, I can remember leading a ton of laps at places like Atlanta and Texas and, you know, a late caution spoiling a chance to had us winning because we didn't have fast pit stops, you know. So um, I think through the years there was just, an, for me personally, and I don't know what everybody else thought, I, I know I had some people that probably didn't think I was that good. That's, that's part of this deal. You're only as good as your last race. And, you know, if you're not getting results now, people question your ability. No matter what your accomplishments were, you know, before so um, but I think for me personally I, I I always felt like I could be a good driver be a great driver I never knew I'd get to where I was last year and I, I never really knew I could you know go on a championship run and win you know 17 races in three years um, so it's been that's been amazing uh, it's been humbling it's been fun and um, you know like I said earlier they all still feel like the first and uh, you know I'm gonna keep treating them that way because you never know when it's gonna stop there's that humbleness from Martin Truex Jr. this weekend. So, yeah, very cool. He's right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I love that. I love that. I, I, I he said it so perfectly. I think just a great example is Dale Earnhardt Jr. You know, yeah. I, you never know when the last one's going to come, and I think I think those guys being kind of close is kind of showing in that comment. Yeah, definitely. And it's true. I mean, we've seen guys go out there and that they've you know performed really well, and you you can't imagine it's going to be their last win but it ends up being and right. you know i'm i guarantee you when rusty wallace won his last win we weren't expecting that to be his last mm-hmm. you know i mean I, dale earnhardt's an excellent excellent example that certainly nobody thought that was going to be his last yeah you know so I, i'm talking you think senior, about not junior so right yeah i mean you never know yeah and tony stewart's another great one where all of a sudden you know he rolled into 2013 he got a win and all of a sudden it, it went downhill and he it looked like he was never going to win again, yeah. and he got one more, and right. that was it. I mean, we're, Jimmy it Johnson's been more than a year since he's won. Yeah, you know? Jimmy Johnson's can fighting you imagine, that battle right now. Can you imagine, did Jimmy Johnson win his last win, last race? <sighs> I Boy. doubt it, but you never know. He might go this year without a win. Yeah, it'd be pretty interesting. I mean, that's a fast feasible. It is. It's really feasible. Uh, yeah, that's weird. I was, I was rooting for him. I would have loved to see him win Kentucky just because – how cool would it be to be there for that story with Jimmy getting his first win after more than a year? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Just from, cool. just from a reporting standpoint, just from being there for that moment yep. would have been sweet. Yep. So a um, couple more things to hit on real quick. Eldora Speedway, would we get on the track tomorrow with practice for the Camping World Truck Series, Eldora Dirt Derby, which races Wednesday night at Fox Sports 1. And we have 39 trucks entered for Eldora. And uh, I think that's the most trucks we've had entered since the first year. The uh, last few years – it really hasn't meant a whole lot for the last chance race because pretty much everybody's been in um, this year. They're going to have to race for it to get in some of these guys. So it'd be pretty interesting to see. Uh, you think it amps things up a little bit for the dirt derby this year? James? Oh yeah. The, the Norm Benning, uh, the Norm Benning show makes its comeback. Yep. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. I'll be there to cover it. So it'll be all kinds of coverage again this week yet on uh, the superspeedway.com from Eldora Speedway. So look, watch for that. Um, watch Twitter. I probably won't tweet as much during it because I have a feeling I'm going to be out taking photos more so. They don't have a press box there, so I will not probably hang out in the media center a whole lot. I don't go to a race to sit in a building and watch it on TV. So 
right. I'll, uh, I'll be out to uh, get some photos and things like that. But there'll be all kinds of coverage. Check it out. Um, definitely be post-race coverage, some pre-coverage uh, as well, and throw some photos up there as well. So check for check out for that. Uh, the other thing, NBC is going to try an all-analyst booth this weekend at New Hampshire uh, Motor Speedway. They're going to have uh, Dale Jr., uh, um, Steve Letarte, and Jeff Burton in the booth. No Rick Allen. Rick Allen, I, he said something about that he's going to be on pit road, seeing how they do it down there. So I don't know if he's going to be a pit reporter or if he's just going to kind of be off air doing little things here and there. So what do you think about that, that James? I mean, we've had the all-driver broadcasts. Um, haven't seen something like this in at least a really long time in NASCAR. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I I like. Uh, I think we did we talk about this before. I I, can't, I don't want to be too repetitive with myself. So. I, I, I don't think we've I talked about it. I feel like I'm pretty yet. repetitive all the time. <laughs> but uh, I like that. Uh, you know, Fox and NBC would mix it up once in a while. That's what we talked um, about. Is that NBC is talking about trying different things, and this is just another example. I mean, they've done yeah. something different every week. Fans this, are reacting to it. Yeah, and that's they, you got it. You got to follow it to some extent. This um, week we had the we had all of them in the same booth, which was the first time. Um, at Chicagoland, they were in two separate booths, I believe. And mm-hmm. then at uh, Daytona, they had um, they had them split between the, the pit box and the booth. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to try it a little bit different this week again. I'm interested to see because New Hampshire's not exactly the most exciting race a lot of times. So will the will three analysts be able to carry it without a play-by-play guy? I don't know. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I, it, I, I'm curious how Rick Allen feels about it because he's playing it up that it's a pretty cool deal. But I don't know. They just kicked him out of his job, so I don't know how excited he could be about it. Right. So yeah, I think uh, as long as he's getting paid, yeah. <laughs> hopefully he's okay. But I, I like them experimenting, trying different things. They've got a, a crew there. You know, four guys in the booth is a little different, and that's why not try some different combinations, see what works, and maybe they'll hit on something that works well. Absolutely. So let's do it. Um. Yeah. I I I want Fox to experiment some too next year. I want to see. Uh, I want to see Jamie Little get in the booth. I'd love to yes. see that for a race, not for practice. I want to see Jamie Little in the booth. Yeah, she'd be so, good. I'm a big fan of Jamie Little, so less DW, more Jamie Little. Yeah, <laughs> less DW. Just let's just less Waltrips. Yes, let's, let's oh, tone please. down the Waltrips. Just one Waltrip race, guys. Just one. Yeah, yeah no gridwalk, <laughs> please. Ah, uh, yeah. We don't have to revisit that. We're done with that. I, I get, we moved on. I get to deal with Michael this weekend, so. But I get to deal with Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson and Kenny Wallace as well. So that's cool. Yeah, that. I saw Smokes there. He's already filming stuff. Yeah. So I know that's that's why I was checking Twitter. Is it, there's all kinds of stuff getting popped up about Eldora. Um, so I'm excited about that. I, I already wanted to get to the track. Garage doesn't open until five o'clock tomorrow, which means the media center doesn't open until five o'clock tomorrow either. So I can't even go before five o'clock. But I'm uh, like I'm ready to be there already, man. Right. Yep. And I just got done with a race weekend, and it's exhausting. But this is the this is the icing that. on the cake though. Yeah, this is this is the one, and yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't know what's hap- going to happen next year with the moving the Eldora date. I, it's probably going to screw up all of my plans. So we'll see right. what happens. There's, there's going to be a lot of planning going into next year for me, but because uh, there's a few things I want to do. But anyway, uh, yeah, Eldora this weekend or this week. It's a week Wednesday night. Yes, last Wednesday. time on Wednesday night. They're moving it to Thursday next year. So. So, yeah, meanwhile, the Cup Series goes to New Hampshire Motor Speedway this weekend. It is the Foxwoods 301 at New Hampshire. And, uh, James, you get the first pick. Anything we want to talk about before we, we pick our, our drivers? We've gone a little long tonight. Um, nah, man. This, New Hampshire is one of those races that's just, it's either yeah. excellent or, or terrible. Right. Because it all depends on how much contact people have to make to pass. 
Yeah, a lot of the guys who are really good are kind of aged out a little bit. Johnson and Kenseth are pretty equal, or yeah. they have been in the past, um, but th- those guys aren't on anybody's radar to win at this point. Right. Um, Kyle Busch, I know he's got kind of a tortured history with New Hampshire, but he's pretty solid. Let me say, too, this is not a mile and a half, so everybody's on a table. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, I picked him last week, and I'm going to pick him again. Okay. Because I feel like I need to. I'm going to go Kurt Busch. Okay. I don't know why. It's an interesting pick. Yeah, I don't know why. I just I feel like he's due, and I'm not picking the three-headed monster that is Truex, Kyle Busch, or Harvick. So, okay. Um, I was leaning towards a few other guys, but uh, I'll go Kurt Busch two weeks in a row. Let's see if okay. I can't see if I can't get him off the get him off the schneid here. I am going to take the three-headed monster, but I'm going to take the one who hasn't won there yet, and I'm going to ah. say Martin Truex Jr. builds on the momentum from this weekend and gets his first win at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Yeah, takes himself home a lobster. So yeah, I like um, that. He's run well there. Um, his average finish is actually better than uh, than Kevin Harvick's and, and Kyle, Kyle Busch's. Bush. So. Um, but he just hasn't, doesn't have that win. So I'm going Martin Truex Jr. on this one. I like that pick. That's a, that's a, I mean, you can't go wrong with Truex, but you know, even though he's winless at this track, it doesn't mean he's, you know, not going to be able to do it. Right. And I get my dark horse pick first. So I am going to go, oh, let's see. I'm going Matt Kenseth as my dark horse. Oh, it's, it's pretty far out on a limb. That is pretty far that, out on a limb. That he wins in that six car. It'd be a cool story, though. So yeah. I'm going yeah. Martin Tri- or, uh, uh, Matt Kenseth. Um, he won at Phoenix last year, right? Is that when he got he his? He did, yeah. So, yep. you know, similarities there. Yeah. And he's good here. So I'm going I'm going Kenseth. Who's your dark horse? Uh, man. Uh, you know what? Uh, let's see what William Byron's got. I don't okay. think we've picked him in a while. That's a good one. Um, he's been pretty quiet, but let's, uh, he's got no experience here that I'm aware of in the cup series. Um, but yeah, let's see what he's got. He also is really good at Phoenix. So if you want to create that similarity, yeah, he got the flat track, track, uh, mile, mile level flat track. Yep. Let's see what he does. William Byron. Make it happen, son. I like that one. All right. Uh, on that note, uh, that's pretty much it for us. As far as the podcast this week, uh, if you guys want to see us go to more tracks, see more coverage, uh, see more podcast opportunities, see more of everything. Um, hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash the super speedway. Great way for you to get involved in the show, support us. Um, and uh, there's different tiers you can subscribe to that uh, they get you some extra stuff and maybe even get you on the show. So uh, check that out. Patreon.com slash the super speedway. Um, James, where can they find you on social media during the week? At James Cush, K-U-C-H, on Twitter. You can find me at T-SuperSpeedway on Twitter. Again, I'll be tweeting from Eldora Speedway this week. Um, probably not as much as the last couple weekends, but uh, there'll still be plenty of stuff on there. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheSuperSpeedway. Uh, website, www.TheSuperSpeedway.com. You'll find our podcast on there, show notes, uh, different stories, different coverage we've done, photos, a little bit of everything. Um, I'm falling behind on the uh, Eric's take, but I've been a little busy with race coverage, so... It's coming back. I got I got a couple things I want to work on for that. So, man um, is busy. Yeah, I really wanted to put something up there on the on the yellow line rule. We talked about it last week, and uh, heard a lot of talk about it this week after our podcast. Justin Haley talked about it again at the 
at the press conference at Kentucky, and I still don't have an opinion on it, man. I still don't know where to go on it. I really want him to get rid of the rule. I understand why the rule's there, and I don't know. So I read somewhere, tell me if you agree about this, uh, last lap, it's all hands on deck. I think if you you're going to do that, you just get rid of the rule. The line goes away. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I like that. I like the. I like that they have the L line there. I think they should keep it the way it is. Just leave it alone. I mean, it doesn't come into play off that much. I think it's created as many wrecks as it would cause getting rid of it. So I just. I think it's. I mean, everybody says, "Well, look what happened to Austin Dillon." Well, Austin Dillon had nothing to do with the yellow line rule. Cars still get airborne. Cars still hit the fence. Cars still go flipping. We still get gigantic wrecks. So the yellow line rule ain't working. So right. There you go. All right. All right. <laughs> That's my take on that. There you go. There's we can't Eric's get out take of here without week. giving any more hot takes. There's Eric's take. So there, I don't have to write it. I just said it. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, if, wherever you listen to the podcast today, we hope you subscribe. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I am here in Newport, Kentucky, getting ready to pack up the podcast stuff that I brought with me. I leave tomorrow morning, jump in the car, head uh, like an hour away from here, 45 minutes, hour, to my hotel for Eldora Speedway. I'm um, staying in Miami, Ohio, I think is where, where yeah, it is. Home of the, uh, yeah, home of Miami University. There you go. Something like that. Uh, the hotel I'm in is pretty cool. It's actually, it's a, it's connected to a mall. So I, you walk out of the hotel lobby into a mall, which is That's pretty cool. interesting. And it, it's not a great mall, but it's a. Is the mall as dead as every other mall in yeah, the country? Yeah, it, it pretty much is, but they have a Charlie Subs. So oh. <laughs> that's all that matters. This is this is the one in Miami, not the one. Well, thank here. God. Well, we don't have Sears anymore, but by God, we've got Charlie Subs. We got Charlie Subs. Actually, speaking of dead malls, there is a dead mall here in Cincinnati, northern part of Cincinnati, that I'm probably going to stop at on the way up there tomorrow. Because I got, I mean, I I got to check out here at 11. Can't check into the other hotel till two. It's not going to take me that long to get there. I'm sure I can get an early check in and a late check out, all that. But I this it's a it's a dead mall. It's the Cincinnati Mall. I forget what it's called now, but there's like a Bass Pro Shops in it. And then like a Sears or something and then an arcade and everything else. It's like, it looks like the great lakes crossing mall in Michigan, but empty. Wow. So I really, I really want to check it out because it was still, it's still, as far as I can tell, it's still open. It's not officially closed. And as of 2017, there was a YouTube video on it. So um, I might go to as many malls as you possibly can because in five years there will be no more malls. Right. Right. I did go to the mall here and go to the Apple store just for the record too. Can't go go to a town without going to an Apple store. I didn't buy nothing, but I went to the Apple store. So. Well, that, and you didn't buy anything that you told Kay about. No, I didn't actually didn't buy anything, James. Don't be getting me in trouble. I, we'll <laughs> you see. just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kay and I can tell can communicate telepathically. You're gonna one. get yourself booted off this podcast, man. If you're gonna be <laughs> pulling that crap. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we head to Eldora Speedway. Um, definitely check out the coverage. And uh, James, anything else you got to say before we head on out of here? Uh, no, let's uh, let's get dirty, man. All it's right. it's it's time. Perfect. Outdoor dirt derby. Let's I have go. I have two brand new pairs of uh, of uh, glasses, eye protection with the gasket around the outside, so I don't go blind this weekend or this week. So I'm ready to go, ready for Eldora. Can't wait. So stuff. All right. Until then, everybody, let's go racing. That is it.